seated this morning. I appreciate you uh, being here. My name is John, and I am uh, blessed uh, to be able to pastor this amazing church with amazing history. I met somebody earlier as I walked in today that uh, got saved here in 1980 and live in North Carolina now and just came back to say hello to us, and, and it was pretty cool. I got to say, my wife's grandfather was the pastor when you got saved in 1980. That was pretty cool. And so I'm thankful for a long heritage of a great church. Uh, turn me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter number 1. We are going to continue our series. We looked at the first 25 verses of Luke last week. And uh, we looked at uh, hopelessness. And we all at times feel hopeless. And the story there in the first part of Luke chapter 1 is Zacharias and Elizabeth. And they were in a hopeless situation as the scripture termed. Uh, they were well advanced in years. You can uh, interpret that however you want. But they were past the years of having a child, and yet God showed up. And we understand that, that when life appears hopeless, we, we have to rest and have to remember the truth of Scripture teaches that even though life appears hopeless, God is still at work. Aren't you thankful for that? God is at work, and He never stops working for our good and for his glory. And when God shows up, hopelessness is shattered. For 400 years, the nation of Israel was waiting. For 400 years, they had promised in Malachi, there will be one that is coming. The promised one has been mentioned, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. He's coming, and for 400 years, God was silent. For 400 years, the nation of Israel felt hopeless. But thankful there was some, there was a remnant, as always in Scripture, there's a remnant of those, uh, the nation of Israel that would stay faithful to God, even though life seemed hopeless. And Zacharias was one of those men, and he went into the Holy of Holies to pray because he was a priest, and it just so happened that it was his time to pray, and it just so happened that after 400 years of waiting that this man would be in the Holy of Holies, and the angel would appear, and the angel would shatter his personal hopelessness, and he would shatter the hopelessness of the nation. Let me go a step farther. He would shatter the hopelessness of you and me today. Because of this announcement, and John, uh, Zacharias, you're going to have a son, and his name is going to be John, and he's going to be the one that the prophets talked about, and he is going to be the forerunner of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And he, you remember later in Scripture, we're going to see that, that John saw Jesus come and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and, and this was all revealed by the angel to Zacharias. And hope showed up. Do you have hope today? If you don't have hope today, I pray that you'll walk out of here knowing Jesus is your hope. And we, we talked last week, we made this statement. I want to encourage you, get your bulletin out, write this down. It's not written in your bulletin for you this morning. This is kind of a summary statement of our message last week. The message of Christmas is sufficient to take care of any hopelessness of mankind. We, we don't want to just celebrate Christmas because we get presents, right? We want to celebrate Christmas because we get Jesus. Advent, we talk about Advent, it just really means arrival or coming. And, and so last week we, we lit this candle, uh, the first candle of hope, right? And, and uh, I haven't done like significant study about all the reasons that the colors are purple, but you can do that. Really, there's not any main significance other than I guess someone liked the color purple. Uh, but we lit the candle last week of hope, this purple candle of hope. And, 
And uh, next week, we're going we're to light this pink candle, and the pink candle is for joy. Today, we're going to talk about peace, and then on the 23rd, we're going to talk about love. And so that's what these four candles represent. And then, of course, the white candle is the best candle, right? And it, all these other candles point to the white candle. And we're going to talk about that on our Christmas Eve service. I want to encourage you to be here for, as Ben mentioned, the candlelight service, and we're going to talk about the white candle, which represents Christ. Before we get to our outline this morning, I want you to look. You already turned to Luke chapter 1, but let's read the first four verses of Luke chapter 1. And then we're going to skip to verse 26 in a moment. All right, so Luke chapter 1 says, Insomuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. Okay, this is the author Luke writing. He says, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and, and ministers of the word delivered them to us. Verse 3, it seemed good to me also having perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write to you. So here he's given the purpose, you know, the summary statement of why he's writing this letter. He's writing this letter to give you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that's who he's writing it to, that you may, so verse 4 is this key, this is why we have the book of Luke. This is why we study the book of Luke. That you may know the certainty of these things in which you were instructed. And so Luke is like this outside guy that comes in. He's not a Jew. He's, most people think that he was a doctor and a, a, a smart dude, right? And he is taking eyewitnesses of all the disciples and all the others that met Jesus, that watched Jesus, that saw the stories that we read about in the Gospels. And so he, he collects them, and through the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit, he writes this letter, and he tells us why he writes this letter. So that we can know that what's in this book is true. That, not, not that we can hope that it's true, not that it may be true, or that some of it is true, but that you may know with certainty the things that are in this book really did happen. I think sometimes around the Christmas story, when we talk about the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, sometimes we may have a tendency to look at them at the other Christmas stories, right? That they may be a little mythical. But Luke is saying, listen, I'm writing to you so that you can know that this is true. Jesus, he is Emmanuel. Jesus is the Messiah. Aren't you thankful for the eyewitness accounts that Luke records in Luke? Amen. Well, today we have another great reader for us today, and so I'm going to ask Jared if he'd come up. And as he comes up, uh, I want you to get your bulletin out again. I'm going to give you this first question. This first question is really going to kind of, uh, really, uh, we're going to ask this question to kind of direct where we're going today, all right? So here's the question. Write it down. How can peace prevail? How can peace prevail inside of you when chaos seems to be prevailing on the outside of you? How can peace prevail inside of you when chaos seems to prevail outside of you? Jared, I was about to, to uh, use this as a microphone. I don't think that's going to work. Sorry. I'll light you on fire. Jared, you ready? I, I, uh, I'll be honest. Jared, being up here, it makes me feel uh, old. Michael seems to think it's a good thing that I feel old. Now, I, uh, Jared's mom and uncle 
were in my youth department many years ago. So I feel old, Jared, but I am proud to have him up here. Would you, uh, would you read for us? Bethlehem, candle of peace. The things we get for Christmas will not last as long as the thing we get from Christmas. We will finish our Christmas treats, get bored with our Christmas toys, and grow out of our Christmas clothes. But the things we get from Christ this Christmas, and always hope, peace, joy, and love, will go with us all our life. Micah 5, 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and then majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the, uh, to the, ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. We light this candle for peace. A candle is burning, a candle of peace, a beacon to signal that conflict must cease. For Jesus is coming to show us the way the little baby Jesus is laid in the hay. Awesome. Thank you, Jerry. Good five, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. And so now I will uh, light this candle of peace. And the question that we ask, I'm going to try to light this candle of peace. There we go. I, uh, the question, let's get back to the question. You guys are watching that, right? The question, how can peace prevail inside of you when chaos seems to be prevailing on the outside of you? You know, the Christmas season is, is obviously a time of excitement and fun and celebration, but uh, really what, what we understand from most studies is that Christmas is uh, one of the saddest times of the year, too. And that sometimes loneliness in the midst of a crowd is, is just weighs heavy, doesn't it? And I think about the busyness and the chaos, and, and sometimes our life is chaotic, and sometimes our life is not what we intended, and sometimes our life is, uh, doesn't quite, it, it, you know, you look back on your life 10 years, 5 years, 30 years, 50 years, or whatever it might be, and you think, this is not exactly how I planned it to go. And how can I as a follower of Jesus, have peace in my life, even though it seems like my life is not exactly like I want it to be. And, and so the Christmas story reveals that to us. The Christmas story reveals to us how even in chaos of our life and the chaos of, of circumstances, how can I have peace? So let's, let's read this story. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. We left off last week at verse 25 with Elizabeth and Zacharias. But let's look at verse 26 as the story picks up. Now in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And her name was Mary. And so we, we get the two main characters, right, of the story here. Mary and Joseph. And, and so they're engaged. So it says betrothed here. The closest thing we would have in our culture to understand that is that they were engaged. But but it's, it's way more than just an engagement. The engagement here what comes with it is more of already, there's already been a contract. Uh, probably the dowry has already been paid. And Joseph has gone back to his parents' house to prepare a home that he's going to go get married. And then they're going to have the final ceremony. But the contract has already been made. So in all intensive purposes, 
they are married, yet they don't have the privileges of being married, if you're tracking with me. Or you got shake your head if you're tracking with me, all right? And so the angel comes to Mary and, and has a message for her. Look at verse 28. And having come, and the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Underline that statement because here in a minute we're going to see Elizabeth say that exact same statement. Blessed are you among women. Verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled and saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. I think that's an understatement, right? So the angel shows up. I'm, I'm going to be a little scared. Verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest, and Lord God will give him his throne of his father David. And so with this, this announcement of the angel says to Mary, you're going to have a son. And, and, and for one, that's going to blow her mind, right? Because she hasn't done anything to get a son yet. And, and then he goes, she, the angel goes a little farther and says, and his name is going to be Jesus. And, and he's going to be the promised one, the one from David, the one that we've been waiting for. The 400-year promise is now going to be revealed, and it's going to be revealed through your son, Mary. And I can't begin to imagine how overwhelmed she must have felt. I remember the first time when, when Joy told me that we were going to have a baby. And I thought, there is no way that, that I am qualified to be anyone's dad. <laughs> waiting, waiting. Man, you guys remember that? When you first found out you were going to have a baby? I mean, and, and we were wanting a baby, but I still was like, oh, wow. I'm not sure if I can do this. Then the months leading up to it, and, and then the baby's born. And you, you remember taking your baby home that first night? And I was completely overwhelmed. Shut this baby up, right? <laughs> <clears throat> that's not in the text but <laughs> verse 33 the, 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 the information of what is about to take place just continues to grow you're going to have a child he's going to be of David's lineage the, you know the promised one he goes on in verse 33 he will reign over the house of Jacob forever look at that in his kingdom there shall be no end. And I think of this young Jewish girl receiving the news from an angel. How overwhelmed she must have felt. I mean, we like to look at the nativity scene and everything looks so great and it's just so peaceful and silent night, which I would say is probably not accurate. You know, the, the baby's not sleeping quietly with the cows, Right? But we get this perfect picture in this scene, and, and we recreate it. And some of you tried to recreate it yesterday morning with the gingerbread houses. And How many of you did the nativity gingerbread house? And, and uh, I loved watching everyone try to make a gingerbread house because they all fell apart. But anyways, this perfect picture of the nativity scene, and I, and I think we, we, don't, we don't stop and pause long enough in Scripture to see what, were the, what, what, really, what was the emotion going on with Mary? How overwhelming, how 
the word we use, chaotic, her life all of a sudden got. She, she knew what was about to happen next. They lived in a culture that was very structured, and they knew exactly what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. The only surprise she was going to have next was, when is Joseph going to show up? She knew what it was going to look like. She knew what she was supposed to do next. She knew how life was, what she had planned and what her parents had planned. Everything was supposed to happen this way. It's very systematic. And all of a sudden, the angel shows up. And her life, that seemed to be going exactly like she wanted or planned, is all of a sudden chaotic. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Like this is a legitimate question, right? We've already read twice that, that she was a virgin. And, and of course some would say, well, that may be just that she was young. But then she answers the question whether it was just a young lady or a virgin lady. Because she's, I've never been with a man. Amen. How could this have happened? Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. And it's just like more information, right? This is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And you are going to carry this child because it is a gift of God through the Holy Spirit. Now indeed, verse 36, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this now, the sixth month, for her who was called Baron. Remember what we talked about last week, the hopelessness of Elizabeth, and used the words that when she got pregnant and she conceived a son, it was like the reproach of me is gone. My reproach is now gone. And they used that word barren. And that word in that culture, in that context, was not just that she couldn't have a baby. It was a very derogatory statement. That's the one that cannot give what her husband really wants most. And the, and the angel tells Mary, hey, even Elizabeth, you know, the one that was called barren, she also is going to have a son. Verse 38, let's read verse 37, excuse me. For with God, if you don't have this verse underlined, highlighted, marked in your Bible, you probably should do that right now. Okay, and if you don't have more than three marks, maybe make a fourth, right? This is an important verse. Verse 37, I want you to, to look on the screen with me this morning. It's the last verse here on here. And on count of three, let's start reading at verse 37, the, the word for, right? One, two, three. For with God. Isn't that an awesome verse of scripture? The one, Elizabeth, who was barren, it was impossible. But God. Mary, you, you've never been with a man, and so to have a baby, it's impossible. But God. Maybe in your circumstances right now, things seem impossible. The, the chaos of life has you a little rattled. And I'm just going to challenge you as we look through the scripture. Am, am I willing? Do I have enough faith to trust God even when life is chaotic? So let's keep reading. Verse uh, 37, for with God nothing is impossible. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And Wow, what a statement that this young Jewish girl has. Her life has completely been thrown in a tailspin. Everything she had planned for, everything she had expected was going to happen since she was a little girl is now not the way it was supposed to be. And what is her response to the news that she gets from the angel? 
It reminds me of the statement Jesus had in the garden. Remember when Jesus was in the garden just moments before the soldiers would come and then they would, they would beat him and they would crucify him. And he said, Lord, if there is any other way for the, for the world to be saved, if there's any other way besides me being hung on a cross, besides me being crucified. And he ended his prayer by saying what? Nevertheless, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Your will be done. That's what I think of when I read this statement. Let it be to me according to your word. I, I surrender. Lord, whatever you want from me and from my life. I mean, I have a, don't you assume that Mary had a lot of questions at this point? But in spite of the chaos in her questions, what was her response? Lord, I'll do it. Whatever you want. Now we're going to get to some questions, right? Verse 39, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country. I love that word, with haste, like she was in a hurry, to a city of Judah. Remember what the angel had told her? Remember your relative, Elizabeth, who was barren? She also is going to have a son. And so Mary immediately thinks, I'm going to go talk to Elizabeth. And let's see what Elizabeth says. Verse 40, and, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. This is Mary in verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, it changed everything, didn't it? And I think of Mary going and, and wanting to question and ask Elizabeth and, and tell Elizabeth. She's got to tell somebody, right? Verse 42, then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, and this is Elizabeth talking, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, again, this is Elizabeth still talking, should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. What a great story. But let's, let's fill out our blanks this morning. And remember, we're trying to answer this question. How can I have peace when life is chaotic, Right? How can I have peace when life is chaotic? Number one, prevailing peace, listen, prevailing peace is not dependent on your circumstances. Prevailing peace is not dependent on your circumstances, and, and the quicker that we learn that, the better we will be. Because most of us, our joy, our happiness, our hope, our peace, it's all dependent on our circumstances. If I feel good, then I guess I am good. If life is how I planned it, then, you know, great. I have peace in my life, I have joy in my life, and I have hope in my life. But what happens when life is chaotic? And then we have to understand that my, my peace, my hope, my joy, thank God, is not dependent on my circumstances. Because the reality is, life is not always what you want it to be. Sometimes days are really hard, aren't they? I mean, some of you this week, you've had a rough week. And, and you've heard information that has, has completely got your life in a tailspin. And so we all have a decision to make. Mary had a decision to make. Remember what she said? Be it according to you. I'm just, I'm just going to believe that God is in control. You see, it's easy for us to believe God is in control and God is good when everything plays out like we want it to. 
the true test of our faith, the true test of are we really, are we really a follower of Jesus Christ is when, when life doesn't go how we planned it, we can still say, God, whatever your will is, I'm in. God, I surrender. Your plan is not my plan. I choose your plan. And that's easy for me to, to quote real quickly. That's not so easy to live out, is it? And Mary gets this news that changes everything, and, and her answer to it is, okay, God, I surrender. Well, let's think for a moment. What, I mean, there's so many layers to this that I don't think we stop and pause and think about enough because she's going to have some tough conversations. It seems in the text that the first conversation she has is she's going to Elizabeth to find out because the angel told her, hey, with, just like you, you're in an impossible situation without God, hey, so is Elizabeth. And she runs to Elizabeth, it says, to make haste, and she's, she wants to find out. And just think for a moment the confirmation that Mary gets in this one conversation. Because as soon as she walks into Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women. It's the same thing that she heard from the angel. Now, no one sent Elizabeth a text. Hey, Mary's on the way. Elizabeth didn't get her Life 360 app and, and track where, Right? Who ordained this conversation? God. God did. Blessed are you among women and, and, and the, the Lord. Who am I? Look at the word she says. Elizabeth says, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come into my presence? So what is she confirming to Mary? Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us whose kingdom shall have no end. Elizabeth is confirming that in what she's saying. So now Mary's got some really tough conversations, doesn't she? I'm always curious, and who did she tell first, Joseph or mom and dad? And how did those conversations really go? Mom, dad. The angel of the Lord appeared to me. And I wonder what her mom and dad thought. I mean, I, I told my parents some big-time lies. And sometimes they believed me. I mean, what was great was, you know, most of you know this already, but I have a twin brother. And so where two or more gather in his name, there he's in the midst of them. I, well, that really is out of context, probably. But... If me and my brother agreed on a lie and there were no other witnesses, hey, it was, we were in, right? But I wonder what her parents thought. Now I've got to go, tell Joseph. I mean, we, we, just, we just run by this story so quick and think, oh, she, gave, she surrendered to the Lord her will, and, and she did. But I, I, I don't think we really dig into like, what that really meant. Because we look at it from, you know, 2,000 years or so of history of like, yeah, it just happened that way. But put yourself in her shoes. Here, here's the options Joseph had at this moment in this culture. He, he could divorce her privately and walk away. He could divorce her publicly and humiliate her. And the third layer was that, is that he could have her killed. She doesn't go and hide, Lord. 
I surrender. You know what that tells me about Mary? Her peace was not determined or dependent on her circumstances. Her peace was determined and dependent on her Savior, her Lord, her faith. Look at number two. Prevailing peace is dependent on, here's the good part, right? Prevailing peace is dependent on a person. I'm glad that my peace is not dependent on circumstances. I'm glad my peace is dependent on a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. That person is God the Father. That person is God the Holy Spirit. And I love this text. It shows us a a picture of all three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in this. Let's look look at these verses again, all right? Look at verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see the Holy Spirit involved in this process, right? They've already been, the angel already told Mary how she was going to conceive. It was going to be by the Holy Spirit. And here, so in the Old Testament, just a quick history lesson, right? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on a person for a specific purpose, for a specific time, and then leave that person. All right? So we see the Holy Spirit comes in this situation the Holy Spirit is the one to reveal to Elizabeth what she should say to Mary. The Holy Spirit really is the one confirming to Mary, this is Jesus, this is Emmanuel, this is God with us. It was the, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit. But us, in the New Testament, since Acts chapter number 2, when we give our life to Jesus Christ and we place our faith in Jesus Christ, guess what gift God gives us? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go for special purposes. The Holy Spirit... The Bible says, my body, as a believer of Jesus Christ, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The same power that allowed Elizabeth to tell Mary and confirm what was going to happen is the same Holy Spirit that lives in me. And so my peace is not dependent on my circumstances. My peace is dependent on the Lord, and he's given me the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Let, let's keep reading, all right? So look at the next, uh, n- let's look at verse number 43. But why is this granted to me that the mother, and I already referenced this verse, the mother of my Lord should come to me? Who, who is she calling the Lord? Jesus. Where is Jesus in this moment right now? In his mommy's tummy, Right? We have the Holy Spirit present, and we have Jesus present. With the Holy Spirit and Jesus, guess what I can do? I can have peace even when my life is chaotic. You see how important the advent, the coming of Jesus was? It changes everything. Look at the next, look at verse 45. She's continuing to talk. She said, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told from the Lord. Now who is she referencing? God the Father. We see God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Father present in this story. My peace is not dependent on my circumstances. My peace is dependent on God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? And he was present What it says is the promises of God the Father. This is what God said was going to happen. This is what they said 400 years ago. This is what the angel just told Elizabeth six months ago. This is what the angel now has told Mary, and Mary has it confirmed through the story of Elizabeth. 
So number one, prevailing peace is not dependent on our circumstances. Prevailing peace is dependent on a person. And before we get to number three, I, want, I just want to share a verse with you. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. So my guess is this morning that some of you in here today, your life, obviously different circumstances than Mary, but you have some tough conversations ahead. You have some decisions to make. What you thought was going to happen doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And I want these verses to be an encouragement to you. Look, look at the screen, Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. That's tough for some of us, isn't it? Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So we've summarized that, and if you've been around, you've heard it, right? So worry about nothing is the first part of the verse. The second part of verse 6 is pray about everything. So if you don't have that written down somewhere or you can't remember that, you might want to write that down. Philippians 4, 6. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And if I can choose to do that, which is difficult, I'll grant that. If I can choose to worry about nothing and pray about everything, verse number 6, what does verse number 7 say is going to be a promise of God? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace is found in a person. Lean into him. Seek him. Pursue him. As James says, cast all your cares upon him because he, he cares for you. Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. And God will give you peace. Let's go, go to number three now. Prevailing peace comes to those who have faith in that person. Prevailing peace comes to those who have faith in that person. Again, look at verse number 45. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told from the Lord. And here's the great news for all of us this morning. That peace is available for everybody in the room. Peace is available for all. And, and, and I shared this verse with you last week, Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you are saved through what? faith. And just like it took Mary the faith to believe, okay, I don't understand this. I have a lot of questions. I have way more questions than I have answers, but I'm just going to trust that what God says is true, and I'm going to place my faith in him. And some of you today, you need to make those decisions in your life. The circumstances in your life are, are not what you had hoped for, not what you had planned for, and you still have a lot of questions to ask, just like Mary did, but you need to make a decision today. In spite of what I'm feeling, because feelings are fickle, right? We don't, we don't base our peace and our hope and our joy on our feelings. Right? Shake your head yes. You're agreeing. My hope and my peace and my joy are based on a person who I have to place faith in. And for, for a lot of us in the room, when we have those tough decisions to make, when life isn't what we thought it was should be, we have a choice to make. I choose to believe, 
or I choose to doubt. I choose to push into Christ and, and get peace, or I choose to walk away and doubt. So the challenge for many of you this morning is, am I going to believe that God is good and that God is in control even though it seems like life is out of control. But, but there's some of you today that, that this promise of, of surpassing peace and that you can cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you, I'm just going to be really blunt this morning. For some of you in the, in the room this morning, those promises are not for you yet. Because there's a step you need to take before you can cast all your cares upon him. There's a step you need to take before you can trust him in the chaos. And that step is what we call a step of faith. You see, the reason Jesus came and the reason we light these candles, because they all point to the big white one, right? They all point to Jesus. And the reason he came, so the advent, right, the first coming of Jesus, why did he come? Why do we have Christmas? Why do we celebrate it? It's because the Bible is really clear that everyone in this room, everyone in the world, the Bible says all have sinned. And the reason Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, hung on a cross, buried, rose again, was because of that one word, sin. And everyone in this room has sinned. And the Bible is very clear that the punishment for our sin is death. Is death. And this doesn't mean that we're going to die, because we all are going to die, right? It's not just about this death. That death is really speaking of a spiritual death. And so the Bible says that the wage of sin is, is death. And death really literally means separation. So it means that I'm going to be separated forever from my God, my Creator, if I die in my sins. And, and uh, Ben already quoted John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He sent his son to this little Jewish girl, Mary. She placed her faith in what she believed, what God told her. And he died to make the payment of my sins. The wages of sin is death. But, what's the rest of the verse? The gift of God, it's Jesus. Amen. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Let's look back at that verse, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, and it says this, For by grace you are saved. So it's very simple this morning. That grace, it's the grace of God that saves you. It's not that I have to be good enough, thank God. It's not that I have to come to church enough, Thank God. It's not that I have to give enough money. Thank God. The only way that I can have forgiveness of sins and have a home in heaven is because of the grace of God. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And guess what? The good news for all of you in here this morning is grace is available to everyone. It's a gift. But you have to choose to open that gift. So let's look at the rest of the verse. For by grace you're saved through what? What's the next word? Faith. Faith. Not of yourself. It's a gift of God. 
because we would brag if we could earn it. So here's the question for some of you in the room this morning. Have you ever given your life to Jesus? Have you ever received the gift of grace? It's the greatest gift you can ever open. Amen. And Jesus paid for that gift by hanging on the cross for your sins. That's the story of Christmas. And to think, the angel came to this young Jewish girl and completely, I mean completely, threw her life into chaos. And just like Mary had a choice, look at your bulletin this morning. When your life is in chaos, will you choose to believe like Mary did? And here's what happens. If I choose to believe, it proves my faith. That's what James talks about, the testing of our faith. And on the other side of the testing of our faith, what the reward is, is knowing my faith is real. So the question's there on the bottom of your bulletin. Is your faith, is your faith authentic? Is it honest? Are you really living what you say you believe? Would you close your eyes for a moment? I'm going to ask Ben to come, and they're going to lead us in a song of worship. This morning, I just want to ask real quickly today, would anyone say, as their eyes are closed, would anyone say, John, my life feels a little chaotic right now. Would you just put your hand up? My life feels a little chaotic right now. Just put your hand up. Well, there's quite a few of us. Just put your hand up for a moment. Leave it up for a moment. God, I, I pray as these hands are raised and as they're acknowledging right now that their life is chaotic, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, you would come upon them, you would encourage them, you would comfort them, that you would strengthen them, Lord, that you would give them the faith that Mary had, that in spite of all the questions, she believed. Put your hands down. How many would say this morning, John, I'm not sure if I've ever received that gift of grace you were talking about. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard it. But you would say, I I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it means to receive the grace of God. I don't know how to receive the grace of God. If that's you this morning, as our eyes are closed, would you just put your hand up for a moment? Just put your hand up for a moment, and I'm not going to, I'm just going to pray for you. Anyone like that this morning, just put your hand up. Thank you. Anyone else, just put your hand up for a moment. It'll take me a second to look around. Thank you. There's two of us. Anyone else, just put your hand up. Two that I see. Anyone else? Another one up there. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Because here's, here's the great news, is it, it's not that important that I saw your hand. God, God saw your heart, and God saw your hand. But here's what I want to encourage you to do in a moment. In a moment, we're going to stand, and it's going to be like it was earlier. We're just going to be singing a time of worship. But there's going to be people standing down here at the front, and they're going to be facing you. There'll be some women and some men up here. And if you raised your hand and you would like to know what does it mean to receive this grace? And 
then I'm going to encourage you in a moment when we stand just to walk. I know it's going to be a little scary, but you, you can do it. Just to walk down here and shake someone's hand this morning that's facing you and just say, I, I want to receive the gift of grace. Please don't walk away this morning without doing that. Would there be any, anybody in here this morning that would say, John, I know that I've never received the gift of grace. God revealed that to me today, and, and I know that I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to ask you this morning to do the same thing. Would you raise your hand just for a moment? John, I know I need the gift of grace in my life. Just put your hand up. If that's you this morning, I'm going to give you the same exact challenge that you would walk forward in a moment. You would shake somebody's hand and just say, I need grace. This morning, in a moment, we're going to stand, and I'm going to encourage all of you today. If life seems a little chaotic, it would be a great time this morning to walk forward and just spend some time with the Lord. We'll be standing here, and, and if you would like for us to pray with you, we'd be glad to do that. If you just want to come forward and pray by yourself, just walk forward and kneel. You're welcome to do that as well today. God, we are blessed to know you. We are blessed to, to have the scriptures in our hand that we can read and that we can know that when life is difficult, when life is chaotic, that we have a choice and we can just simply put our faith in you. God, I pray this morning for those that raise their hand that have never received the gift of grace that, Lord, you would give them the courage, the boldness to walk forward today and say, God, I give my life to you. Give them the courage to shake someone's hand and say, I need the gift of grace. Lord, we give this time to you. We are blessed, we are honored to be able to sing to you, Jesus, our Messiah. Bless this next few minutes. We give it to you. Would you stand with me this morning? And Ben's going to lead us in this song, Jesus, Messiah.